You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. December the 12th, 1998. I was standing on a stage waiting for Amanda to turn up. It was our wedding day. She was on time. My father was late. That's right. She was on time. My father was late, uh, which is awesome. And then we go through the ceremony and we do all all the formalities and stuff. And then the end of the ceremony, a guy by the name of Gary Clark gets up to pray over us and he prays over us and he says something along the lines of there is seeds of greatness in this couple that together you could do some, sorry, alone you could do some stuff, but together there are seeds of greatness within you. And then he prophesied out of the book of Esther that you were born for such a time as this. And I thought in that moment, man, what a cool prophecy that there are seeds of greatness. And I began just to live my life thinking that at some time those seeds of greatness would germinate and at some time God would water them and God would do something and greatness would just appear. I'd be like, one day I'd be like, man, I'm living in greatness. It's just kind of someone prophesied it and someone said it and now I'm just living in greatness. But I've learned over 20 years, we're going to be married 20 years next year. Feels like about five for me and about 85 for her, but we've been married like 20 years this year and next year. And I've learned that over 20 years, greatness just doesn't appear. And such a time of this just doesn't happen that there are some things that we have to do to maximize what God has promised. And, and, and I don't know about you, but Pastor Marie in this last season, many a time in many a different environments has referenced Esther where God says we were born for such a time as this. And can I suggest that as a family, as a community of faith, it's going to take more than some five foot two blonde powerhouse prophesying over us that it's, we're born for such a time as this, but we're going to have to do some stuff and engage some stuff for God to have His way in our midst. Do you believe it? Come on, 1015, do you believe it? I want you to shout me down today. Esther chapter four, verse 14 says this, and who, the last part of the verse, And who knows, but that you may have come to your royal position. I don't know if there's any royalty in here. If there is any royalty in here, please refer to the last legacy video and fill one of these out so that we can pay off uh, Central. But for the rest of us, if maybe we can refer to this scripture like this. Maybe you have come to your position. Your season, whatever your today looks like, maybe you've come to this position for such a time as this. Now, let me give you a bit of background to Esther's story. Esther was an orphan. Both of her mum and her dad passed away when she was young and her older cousin Mordecai took on the parental figure to raise her and Esther as an orphan. She was not only an orphan, she was, uh, uh, sorry, she wasn't only an orphan, she was a Jewish woman living in Persia. She was an outcast, if you like, and she was being raised by Mordecai. And as she was raising, uh, as she was being raised, there was a group of men that came into her town on assignment from the king who was looking for a queen. And this wasn't some little back blocks king of a town of a couple of hundred. This was a big king. He was a major king. He was a Persian king that oversaw 127 provinces. And he said to a group of men, I want you to go out into all the provinces and pick the cream of the crop, if you like, sorry, the the prettiest of the prettiest, if you like, and bring them back to me. And I want to start to interview some people to be my queen. And 
Esther was chosen to be, because of her beauty and her grace, she was chosen to be one of the ones who was a potential queen for the king. So she was just taken out of Mordecai's home and she was put into a one-year preparation process. One year. Come on, if you're under 25, one year. We want to do something for a month and then arrive. We want to take summer school and be graduated. We were like, she went into a one year, not a month, not six, but a year process just to meet the king. Hadn't even met him yet. And in a year's process went to meet the king. So it was her turn to go and prepare for the meeting of the king. And once she went through the preparation process, she went before the king and then her, she was chosen. It was her turn to be the queen and she became the queen. And at that point, there was a, a crooked member of the king's cabinet, one of his advisors, if you like, who decided that there needed to be an annihilation of every Jewish person in every one of the 127 provinces. And Mordecai then goes back to Esther, who is now the queen, and gets in her ear and says, and I want to read you now the whole verse. Now you've got a bit of the backstory. For if you remain silent in this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family's, you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? But you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And you know what I reckon? I reckon God has positioned us as a church for such a time. As this, we've just had legacy where we've talked about the amazing promise that God has for us over the next three and a half years. Let's not be like the people that sign up for the gym in January and we're all on board and we're all pumped and we're all excited. And if, if you don't like crowded gyms in January, just hang on by March, they'll be empty. So let's not, let's not be the type of people that go on the back end of legacy. Yeah, such a time of this. This is a three and a half year period. Let's keep our excitement that God is for us and we are positioned and poised to do something for such a time as this. And, and our time and our turn is now, but it's not based on feelings or prophecy. It's based on us doing something with the promise of God. You know that we are full of potential for the next three and a half years. There is so much potential, not just for us as a church, but for you personally. Now that your marriage is not where God wants it to be, there is potential for the future. That your internal world is not where God wants it to be. There is potential for the future. That your financial world, how many say an amen, is not where God wants it to be. Your career and your fulfillment in what you do, your family life is not where you want it to be. It's there. It is full of potential for the future. Anyone thank God for a God of potential. That our best days are not behind, but our best days are yet ahead. That there is potential for our future. Here's my definition of potential. Potential is what is not yet, but can be. Your, your marriage may not yet be where you want it to be, but it can be where you want it to be. Your internal and inner healing may not yet be where you want it to be, but it can be where you want it to be. That we serve a God who is pregnant with potential. And just like that prophecy that Amanda and I received 20 years ago, potential doesn't just have, we can't just keep haphazardly living life hoping that someday excellence will just happen. 
that someday a great season will just, I'll just kind of fall into it because someone prophesied over it that there are mindsets that we need to embrace to maximize the potential that God has for us. And I, I'm a studier of people. I love to watch people. And over 20 years, I've, I've had the opportunity to observe some heroes in the faith, some heroes who are husbands, some heroes who are dads. And what I would refer to, they are maximizing their potential. And I've kind of learned a few mindsets that they go into the future with that I want to share with you today. Because we're on the beginning of a pretty significant season that God has for us. But it's up to us to maximize that potential. It's not just going to happen. We've got to maximize. So let me give you a few mindsets of people who I've observed who maximize their potential. Number one, a mindset of someone who is all about what God has in the future realizes this. I am currently living in the time of my greatest potential. I am currently living in the time of my greatest potential. I can do nothing about my past but I can certainly affect my future. <clears throat> and it doesn't take but a couple of minutes of talking to someone to identify the fact that they could be anchored in a past hurt, in a past challenge, in a past if someone had done something different, my, future, my potential, my, my now would be different. And so many people are trying to change the past in a way of affecting the future. We can't do anything about our past, but we can affect the future. I can't do anything about my ancestors, but I can influence my children. Maybe you look around and you wish you had a different heritage. You wish you had different family. Maybe you look at a friend or a cousin, or maybe you look at a colleague and you're like, man, if I only was born into that family where they were a praying family and they didn't have some of the challenges I had and they prayed and they said, and maybe they left an inheritance or maybe, listen, I can't do anything about my ancestors, but I can do something about my children. I can change something from this point forward because now is the greatest opportunity of potential that I have. There's not much I can do about my history, but I can affect my legacy. Now I am currently living in a time and space that is my time and it's my space. If, if you are older in here this morning, if you are, as the Bible puts it, well stricken in years, uh, here in this point. Listen, your time is not done. Your turn is not done. If there is blood in your veins and breath in your lungs, now is your time and now is your turn. We need you to say, God, what do you want me to do with my current? Listen, if you are younger in here, now is your time and now is your turn to step up and say, God, what do you want me to do now? It's not your mum's time and it's not your dad's time and it's not your grandparents' time. Now is your time and now is your turn your time and turn don't start when you want them to start they started when you started when you took your first breath now is your time and now is your turn one of amanda's and my greatest challenges i'm going to lay it all out there today is on date night picking a movie I reckon it would have been way easier when you had DVDs. You just put one in and that's what you got. Like you're done. But now you've got Netflix and you can spend so much time watching the previews. Like what about that movie? Yeah, let's just watch the preview. Nah. What about that movie? Nah. Yeah, nah. Amanda's into sci-fi. I'm like, come on, sci-fi? 
How do you believe like a blue man walking around a fake environment that can fly and stuff? That's not real. Let's watch action where one man takes on an entire army. That's believable. Some Rambo or some Commando or some blue man who like, anyway, like, so anyway, so we'll sit down on a Friday night, which is date night between dropping the kids off at youth and then an hour and a half later, picking the kids back up from youth and then spending an hour hearing about youth, which I wouldn't have it any other way, by the way. But we'll sit down. We're like, we got like a two hour window. And we're, by the time we're done, we've watched so many previews. We've got no time to watch a movie. Like all we've done is watch preview after preview after preview. Some people live their life like that. I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to have this group of friends. I'm going to get involved in this thing and acclimate into that. And that doesn't work, so I'm going to go over here. And they, they kind of live their life like it's a series of previews, thinking that life will start when they decide that it will start. Listen, life has already started. We are living in our current most potential-filled environment. It's not a preview. It's, God, what do you want me to do with today? Because today is the day of my greatest potential. Does that make sense? Everyone okay with this? I, uh, I, was, I did a one year of a four-year apprenticeship for a mechanic. I'm just letting it out there. Until I'd figured that as a mechanic, you are constantly greasy and dirty. And I can't handle being dirty. I hate dirty. I hate dirty. And as a mechanic, like grease gets under your fingernails and kind of you get little cuts and the grease goes into the cut and you scrub and you scrub and you scrub and it looks like you just rolled around in a grease pit at the end of your shower. I'm like, I can't handle this. And if you are a mechanic, God bless you. Have the time of your life. I'm bringing my car to you to fix it. So you get grubby and dirty and I stay clean. But, but here's the deal. I, I kind of w- was a mechanic. and But the guy who I worked for, his name was Ralph Easton. And he used to walk around the workshop singing the same song for a year. Like some churches I go to. They're singing. Anyway, no, no. So they're, so they're singing the same song for a year. It was an old Otis Redding song. If you're under 25, just switch off for a moment. It was old Otis Redding, Otis Redding song. It said this. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. I don't know about you, but when you live with a mindset of today is the day of my greatest potential, you'll begin to hate to waste time. I don't care if you're 12, if you're 16, if you're 23, if you're 43, or if you're north of that. Let's be committed to not wasting one day that God gives us. Not living intensely, but living intentionally. That God, what do you want for me to do today? God, I don't want to waste one day because every day is a gift from you. And what I do with it is my gift back to you. So God, let me maximize every single day because I am currently living living in the time of my greatest potential. Number two, people who maximize their potential don't live in the someday aisle of my potential. Maybe you've heard the saying that there is a window of opportunity. You know what I've learned? Is that every opportunity has a window. And that window doesn't stay open forever. 
And so many people miss what God has in front of them because they live in someday aisle. Someday I'll be married and I'll be able to do that. Someday I'll be debt free and I'll be able to do that. Someday I'll pay off the credit card and I'll be able to give more time to church. Someday I'll retire. Someday I'll work out what's going on on the inside and I'll be okay. Someday I'll get an apology from someone and they live in this someday Oh, but here's the deal. I've learned that every opportunity has a life and every life has an opportunity. And you are not stuck where your current position says you are stuck. But God has a time and a turn for you in this moment to do something that God has for you. Esther 2.15 says this, When the turn came for Esther to go before the king, But before it was her turn to go before the king, it was her turn to prepare for a year. And before it was her turn to prepare for a year, it was her turn to be an orphan in the house of her cousin. And before it was her turn to do this, see what I'm saying is what we do with our turns determines the shape of our time. So what's in front of you today will determine the shape of your tomorrow. What we do right now, not tomorrow, not next week, and some of us have to be less worried about what my turn will be next month and deal with what my turn is right now. What has God placed in front of me now? Not someday, now. Because my Bible says that God not necessarily is the author of all things but he can bring good out of every circumstance for those who are called according to his purpose. I would like in, when I count to three, for every person to yell out their age. Ladies, this is for you too. I want you to yell out your age on the count of three. One, two, three. Some of you didn't even move your lips. See, for some of us, it's our turn to be 16. My daughter's 16 at the moment and that's not an easy age. Got all sorts of stuff going on. What do I do at the end of high school? What does my life look like? She is doing an incredible, I'm so proud of her, with what she's doing with her turn to be 16. For some of us, it's our turn to be a parent. We had a parent. We talked about our parents. We whinged about what our parents did wrong, but now it's our turn to be a parent and it's my turn to decide how I'm going to raise my kids and more importantly it's my turn to decide what I'll model for my kids for some of us our turn to be offended offense happens the question isn't are we going to get offended the question is what am I going to do with my turn to be offended and am I going to get through it well or am I going to allow the am I going to allow the enemy to hold me at a place of offense where I don't move forward and my potential is limited because with my turn and not every person has the same turn but every person has the same God in every turn who can bring good out of your turn and your time to move forward some of us that turn to be offended for some of us that turn to be unemployed it's your turn it's 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 what's happening what am I going to do with that turn you know as a pastor you see people go through all sorts of horrific turns 
deaths and tragedy. Stuff that came left field. But you know the people who get through that stuff and thrive and end up maximizing their potential are the people who don't allow that turn to define them. But they see God in that turn and come through stronger on the other side and end up with stuff that other people don't even have because they saw it as their turn and their time. You know, I look at Carl Lipscomb at the moment, who in April of this year ruptured some ligaments around his spine, hasn't been able to work. You know, it's his turn to be injured. Is that of God? No. God doesn't cause injury, but it still has the overlaying scripture of my God can bring good out of all things for those who are called according to his purpose. It's Carl's turn. He's, he's a floor layer. Can't bend over, can't lift heavy stuff, works for the vacuuming of the house, doesn't quite work for laying a floor. But it's his turn. But if you talk to Carl, he's not like dejected and given up on life. God, what are you doing in my time and in my turn? I think as Pentecostal Christians... We can hear about a message called, it's my time and it's my turn. And we're like, yeah, it's my time. And it's my turn for the world to know me. I'm gifted and I'm talented and I can write a song like Justin Bieber. So I'm going to put it on YouTube and Jay-Z is going to pick it up. And in eight years time, I'm going to have $200 million in the bank of my own jet. It's my time and it's my turn. Hey, chump. It's your time and your turn to prepare. Study. Do your one year before you go before the king well, because what I do with my time and my turn will shape what my next time and my turn looks like. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as, un, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. As long as we are alive, there will always be my turn and my time for something specific. God has something for me to do through the season, whatever that looks like that I am in currently. Because right now is the time of my greatest potential. My life, your life is too valuable, too important to God to not believe that, that I have to wait for someday. But right now, God has something to do in me and something to do through me so that his kingdom can move forward. You know, a few years ago, I uh, got, a, I got a, a car and the car had GPS in it and you punch in where you want to go. And then this lady starts telling you what turn to make. I'm like, really? I lived 20 years with a wife telling me what turn to make. 16 years with two daughters telling me what turn to make. They buy a poodle, which is a boy, but it's a poodle. So I've got another girl in the house. And then I have this woman telling me in my car. Like, can't it be like Morgan Freeman or someone telling me what to do? Someone like, really? Anyway, when I make a wrong turn, which is regularly, the lady in the car doesn't go, you useless screw up. You're not going to get to your destination. A little sign comes up that says redirecting to desired destination. And I want to tell you, there's some people in church, maybe you've made a wrong turn in your life. Maybe you 
not where you want to be. Maybe you haven't done everything that you wanted to do. The Holy Spirit hasn't gone. You useless screw up. You're not going to get to where you're called to go. He is the master of redirecting our steps so that we end up at the location that God wants us to end up at. Listen, it's your time and it's your turn. If you would say, Holy Spirit, what's my next step? Come on. Do you believe it in church today? It's my time and it's my turn. Lastly is this, band, come on back and join me. My potential is discovered, not decided. God is the source of my potential. He created me for it. In fact, listen to Psalm 139. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. One translation says, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, but when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. I don't know what the circumstances of your birth were. Maybe when your mum fell pregnant, she said, oh no, I didn't plan this. Maybe your dad, because of where he was at, gapped it and you haven't met him. I want to tell you, heaven didn't say, oh no. Heaven said, I've got a time and a turn. Before they've lived even one day, I've created them with a purpose and a plan. You know, I reckon one of the worst things we can do is tell our kids they can be anything. That sucked the air out of the room, didn't it? I've spent almost 15 years looking at my kids going, you can be anything. Whatever you want to be, you can be it. Then I got my boy, I'm like, you work hard enough. Go to the gym long enough. You can be anything you want to be. He can't. Like if he grows up and he's four foot three, he's not going to be in the NBA. He's not going to make the all whites dunking baskets at 10 foot. It's just not going to, he needs to trade in his basketball boots for a pair of construction boots and go and get that job because he can't be, the deal is we can't be anything we want to be, but we can be everything that God created us to be. It's not on us deciding what we want. It's on us discovering what we want because we don't know best. He knows best. He created you with a time and with a plan and with a purpose and don't go, well, this is what I decide. No, no, no. God, what do you want for my life? Thank God I didn't become a mechanic because I would have been miserable the last 20 years. I almost married a girl before I married Amanda. This is all Confession Sunday. I need like a little booth in the foyer I can talk to a priest. It's all Confession Sunday. Almost married a girl. I thought she was amazing. I chose this girl. This is the girl for me. She's incredible. She was horrible. She was half-hearted about her relationship. The only reason she was in church is because I was there. Not because she loved God. And when we had a problem, she wasn't in church anymore. I talked about what I wanted to do with my future. I'd been through the little mechanic crisis and I was about to go to Bible college. I'm like, man, I'm going to go to Bible college. She's like, oh, 
Oh, I'm all for like a Christianity, but I don't know about God taking over my whole life. If you, if you are unmarried, look at me. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. And we take that for, well, I'm not gonna marry a non-Christian. I think it's deeper than that. Jesus also said, some will produce 30, some will produce 60, and some will produce 100 fold. You know when you're around 100 folder because they're like, God, whatever you want, the answer is yes. God, wherever you want me to go, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to pray, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to give up, the answer is yes. Whatever you want to unfold, the answer is yes. This girl I almost married was barely a 30 folder. Can I tell you that if a 30-folder marries a 100-folder, the 30-fold is never going to become a 100-fold. The 100-fold will always go down. And we don't decide potential. We discover it. What has God got in your future? What has God pre-purposed? What has God preordained? And listen, I don't want us to get into the silly mode where we're worried about every step that we take because if I take a wrong step, I'm going to mess up the plans of God. God's not that fragile. But if you're called to church work, then give yourself to it. If you're called for business, then give yourself to it. Thank God we're in a house with senior leadership who validate calls into every sphere of life. You don't have to do what I do to be a real Christian. You just got to do what God has called you to do and get out there and say, God, I want to discover my potential. Because while I was in mummy's womb, you knitted. You ever heard the phrase, you're pregnant, you're glowing? You know why I reckon that is? Because God is at work knitting and fashioning, purposely building a little human for the future He has for them. You know, as we kick off legacy in this three and a half years, God, what have you got for me? There's a part to play in the legacy team, absolutely. But outside of that, we're in a three and a half year window where God is going to do something significant for us corporately and for you personally. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.